The views and opinions that are expressed in this and future podcasts are not the views coming out of the State Office of African American Affairs and are not the views coming out of any other state agency, including the governor's office. I'm Danny Golden. And I'm Devin Williams. And this is Reeducated, a podcast brought to you by the New Mexico State Office of African American Affairs. The purpose of the podcast is to educate the community on environmental, social, and physical inequities and challenges that Black communities must deal with and what can be done to empower the Black community to help them navigate through the understanding of legislation and policy on a micro and macro level. Welcome, everybody, to Reeducated. This is our eighth episode of this podcast with the New Mexico State Office of African American Affairs. Reeducated has been such a journey for us. So we're so grateful for everybody who's joined us on the journey. And uh, it's just been a beautiful time, a beautiful experience. I thank you, Devin. It's been it's been great. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, you know, I definitely couldn't have done it without you, as well as Marcus and Better Sense Studio and also the different interns that we had and Brianna Edie and uh, Reagan Ruffin. And so it definitely was a team effort, which I feel like we've had some amazing content, some amazing guests on board, uh, amazing sponsors who got us here in the first place. And so I really think, again, it's a group effort and we all had a pivotal part to play in getting this thing going. Absolutely. Teamwork makes the dream work. And we've experienced just that. Uh, it's been like a dream. It flew by, but I really am just holding on to all of those moments. Like you said, all the beautiful conversations and connections that we've made and really just getting to highlight some special people who are doing hard work in the community to, to really push us forward and elevate us as a community. So I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And I'm excited for this episode, especially because it's something that's like near and dear to my heart Mm -hmm. and I know to Devin's as well. And uh, so we're going to be actually talking about the Crown Act and widening protections for folks who wear their natural hair in whatever space that may be, whether it's the workplace or in school or just in your everyday life. We know that we face both microaggressions and overt um, you know, discrimination against yeah. us for the natural way that our hair grows. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to get into that. And we're actually doing a special edition on Zoom, uh, which is fitting for the times. I think we've all kind of become accustomed to this weird little <laughs> technological world. Um, but before we bring in our guests on Zoom, we want to take this time to appreciate our sponsors. So we're going to take a little break a little earlier than we usually do. And we'll hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll introduce our new friends who are pushing forward the Crown Act. So stay with us. Since 1912, Loveless Health System has been committed to meeting the growing healthcare needs of the Albuquerque community. They're invested in bringing people, providers, and technology together to ensure patients receive the best care possible. The vision of African American Student Services, AFRO, is to cultivate Black excellence on the university campus through educational discourse, leadership development, holistic health, wellness practice, and community engagement. 
The African American Student Services Program at UNM provides culturally relevant programs designed to assist primarily African American Black students in making a confident transition and successful adjustment to the University of New Mexico. Well, welcome back, everybody. Thank y'all for uh, supporting Reeducated. Thank you so much to our sponsors, which we just heard from. And uh, just like I was saying before we went into that little break, today on Reeducated, we're going to be jumping into the Crown Act, something that Devin and I both feel very passionate about is um, expanding protections for people who want to wear their natural hair. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, even though it's 2020, um, we're still seeing so many instances in schools, in the workplace, in, in public spaces where natural hair is just not accepted and mm -hmm. it's not, um, it's, it's frowned upon. You know yeah. what I mean? I wouldn't even say it's just not accepted. It's actually actively discriminated against, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I know I've definitely had some personal experiences with this from the time that I was very young. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember being, you know, in, in elementary middle school and, and hearing comments about my hair and feeling like, the way my natural hair grew out of my head was just not acceptable, you know, yeah. being made to feel that way by the people around me in different settings. So, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that, Dev. Oh, yeah, definitely. I um, just growing up, um, I was in uh, certain spaces that wasn't that didn't have a high representation of black people. And mm -hmm. so. I had people wanting to touch my hair, people making fun of it just because it was different than theirs, all these different things. And as I got older and I started to learn more and eventually ended up getting a more protective hairstyle and twist, then we came to a space to where now people feared me a little bit more. People have more of a um like a tendency to be enclosed or to distance themselves just because you see a black man with dreads you know society makes it that they're a thug they're all these different things they're not educated and you know um i didn't necessarily have those experiences where um I got kicked out of school or fired, but it was more mm -hmm. so just not having protection from other peers that had mm -hmm. different hair and not really having that support. Right. Because of the, the stigmatization mm -hmm. of our hair, it's not always that there is, like I was saying before, an overt rule or or law or anything like that against our hair. It's just that all of the stigmas that have been attached, you know, our hair is um, unprofessional, it's unruly, it's 
dirty even we've seen um several celebrities in different situations have to walk back comments about you know uh individuals that are wearing locks or you know braids or things like that i've definitely had to check some people in certain situations and Mm -hmm. and educate people sometimes it is just like a lack of of knowing like if you're not around black people and you you're unfamiliar completely with black hair, mm-hmm. then I can see how that, you know, comes up. You're just curious, you know, that's yeah. where the whole wanting to touch it and asking all the, you know, little questions and, oh, it's surprisingly soft, you know, yeah. but, and it's an ignorance thing, but there comes a point where, you know, like we say, you, you got to educate yourself. And that is the act of compassion and acceptance through you educating yourself so that you don't come at somebody with natural hair a certain yeah. way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, we are in 2020. We have so many access to different resources. I understand there's certain times where you can't necessarily have access to certain information. And there's so many things into really seeing what information is credible, but at least attempt to do your own research. Google it if you need to, you know, look at different YouTube videos, look at different websites, look at different social media pages. There's so much information when it comes to black hair that it's no excuse to continue to be very ignorant or, you know, Mm -hmm refusing to want to do your own research right because yeah i was just gonna say that's what leads that lack of educating yourself is what leads to the the situations that we see in the workplace because you know billy bob that was in sixth grade talking about my my hair and the texture of it and it's poofy this and it's that is is you know, going to maybe become an HR manager at a company somewhere. And now he's, you know, he's taking those views into his job where he has the power to determine, you know, who, who gets, who gets the job or who, you know, gets sent home. We've seen so many instances of that, of people being sent home from school and work. And, and so, yeah, it's education is a big part of it. Yeah, definitely. And so um, I know um, we have a lot of experience and a lot of different things and perspectives when it comes to this topics. But mm-hmm. we also have our guests who are here that can provide us a little bit more uh, enlightenment, not only on what the Crown Act is, but also providing a number of different experiences that they've been through, not only dealing with uh, having certain hairstyles, but also in the advocacy of getting the Crown Act implemented. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to hear from people on a personal level that are doing their part to push this legislation forward because it's so... I just think that's so powerful that you have like this experience, you know, as, as a person of color. Um, and it's something that impacts you on a, on a deep level, you know what I mean? And 
for people, individuals to have the courage to go out there and, and try and create that change mm-hmm. uh, in this way is so admirable to me. And so, uh, hello. We got some people in the waiting room. Yeah, we'll go ahead and um, just uh, be a little more informal now and just um, introduce everybody. How's everybody going? Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Happy Saturday. It's Saturday, right? Yes. I think Saturday. so. <laughs> it better be. <laughs> oh, hey, Erica. <laughs> Hi, boo. How are oh, you, my love? <laughs> let me get my stuff. I'm trying to get my life together real quick. Um, I will come on camera very shortly. <laughs> okay, no worries. I just saw a familiar face. And oh I- my goodness! This Hi. My- Can we add you to the gang? I mean, that's not an appropriate way to say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll own my I'll own my problematicness on this morning, but. <laughs> For sure. Oh, Let's yay. <laughs> okay, good. Welcome. Welcome so to everybody. I see so many beautiful faces. Hi, Deb, Augustine. Who else? Heather, Kelsey. Hey, y'all. Thank y'all so much for, for joining us. So um, Devin and I were just doing a little introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get too far into it, Dev, you want to kind of like lay the kind of ground rules and the flow of things? Yeah. Um, just some little housekeeping stuff? Yeah, definitely. So um, when it comes to this type of stuff, I know it's a lot of people. So if you're not talking or um, you're not directly in like a one or two person conversation, if you can keep your mic muted. Um, I know we're in the technological age, so um, if any of us get kicked off of the call, we'll just stop um, the conversation. And then whenever that person gets back, then we'll start back to where the thought was at the initial beginning of the conversation. And then um, just to get started, I'll have everybody go around the room, introduce themselves, uh, say their title just so we can get the ball rolling. And then once we have that, and we'll just start going into the different questions that we have. And then um, we'll pretty much lean on y'all to lead the conversation, give us the information, and just enlighten everybody on what uh, the Crown Act entails. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's good. I just want to make sure that this, you know, we are, we're organized and that we can um, have the best audio quality and that we can all hear each other and um, make sure all the information comes across. So um, once again, thank you, everybody. I'm so excited to get into this and get re-educated because that's what the show is all about. <laughs> re-educating ourselves on a lot of the things that we know about that we experience but ways that we can um you know elevate us as a community um and push causes that are so important forward so um so let's get into it who wants to start as far as introductions (laughs) 
Where y'all at? I think we should have our students that just finished the most tumultuous year um, that academia and just general life has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, I would, I would love for our students to go first. Hello, everybody. My name is Kelsey Barnes, and I'm a student. So I'm just finished my first semester of my junior year. So, yeah. Thank you. Go, Kelsey. <laughs> Welcome, Kelsey. Who else we got? I think Augustine. I don't see... Do I see? Yeah, Augustine. Thank you. My name is Augustine Leon Sainz, and I just finished the first semester of my senior year at Albuquerque High. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations. Everybody else want to chime in real quick and give us your name and, um, you know, title and a brief introduction. I guess I'll go. Um, I'm Deb on the eBay. I am part of the COC um, and have been for a while now. So I am interested in the crown act and on the committee because you know i've gone through a lot of things as a child especially growing up in advocacy going to christian school my whole life so it's been a lot and i have two little boys so it's important to me to um make sure that their future is secure and um you know a little bit brighter than what i had to go through as a child so that's why i'm here Beautiful. Nice to meet you, Deb. Nice to e-meet you. Is that what we say (laughs) nowadays? Who is next? Hi, Um, I'm Heather Smith. Um, I'm also part of the COC. Um, I also am a Southern New Mexico advocate uh, leader here. I, this, this, the chronic is very important to me. We've all had stories and we've all had, you know, instances in our lives where we were discriminated against or talked down to or anything like that. So I would like to change that for the future generations and have some accountability for people who think that discrimination is, is okay in those forms and to actually just educate, you know, the, the populace and, and, you know, protect our people. So. This is why it's important to me. That's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I am multitasking on devices because my phone is gonna die. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm Erica. Um, if you get another me in in the waiting room, it's me. Um, my name is Erica Davis Crump. Um, I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, and I'm also a member of the COC. And when we're saying that, that means Central Organizing Committee. Um, 
for the New Mexico Crown Act. And it's just been a really beautiful experience. What I do for uh, my day job is just communications for um, a couple of really dope organizations, Southwest Women's Law, Law Center, shout out to them and the hard, beautiful work that they do in New Mexico, uh, Religious Coalition for um, Reproductive Choice. And I am hitting comms for the Crown Act, and it has been probably one of the highlights of my life to be a Black woman in New Mexico and see how we all have just, I mean, if you're from here, you know that like our community, I mean, we'll just talk right about it. If you're from here, you know our community um, has a lot of silos, you know, and it's really hard to stay on the same page and it's hard to get this like sense of uh, productive unity, if you will, across generations. And it's crazy because uh, Rona has been a thousand and one things, you know, and the one thing that I'm, I'm actually really stunned and grateful for is that because of Rona, this beautiful space was birthed. And um, I've endured a lot of hair discrimination myself. And just last year, um, my baby girl, who's 15 and I have a 12-year-old as well, uh, he has a big old puff um, like me. And we've just I've just been watching them go through the same things, you know, um, that people are real unapologetic about. So we're here to end that, you know, and, and make it and put some policy behind our, our needs. Well, thank you so much, Erica. And thank you all, like I said, once again for joining us. And I think this is a a wonderful group of people uh, to come together and talk about, um, like you said, some of those experiences that we're having that we have all too often that we've experienced um, coming up. And now, sadly, you know, the, the generation after us, you know, my daughter, you know, if you all have kids, our families are are still experiencing it. So um, something has to be done about that. And um, so I'm so grateful to this group of people um, coming together to, um, you know, put together legislation that will widen protections. And hopefully, you know, as, as time goes on, um, widen people's like compassion and acceptance. And because that's really what it's all about is, you know, the education and, and changing the minds and the hearts of, of folks. And sometimes forcefully, <laughs> if you, if, if we, you know, are being real about it, like that's what, like, you cannot discriminate against people for the texture of their hair before the way that their hair naturally grows out of their, their head. I don't know. I guess it just still boggles my mind. Cause it's like, we're all humans. Right. And, and our hair grows out of our head, the way it grows out of our head. Um, but we know that there's a long history of that, you know, in this country, um, you know, starting way back, uh, you know, since the inception. Um, and so, um, 
where where to begin? I mean, I think that we should talk about, uh, you know, how this group came to be and how what was the inception of the Crown Act and and what it really is all about. Can y'all give me kind of a, a summary of that and a rundown of that? Um, it's the the best thing that's happened in 2020, honestly. <laughs> um, my favorite, we all live on Zoom, mm-hmm. all of us. And so when you have a meeting that you can go to that you're not like, oh my God, um, you know, like, like yes. it's, they, this is the, the, highlight and I say this so regularly and and I know they know that I mean it the team knows I mean it that Mm -hmm. this is the best meeting of our week because it doesn't feel like a meeting for a second you know our catch-ups turn into the kiki sessions um Mm -hmm. you know our group chat is litty like it's like it's so and we support each other in such a big way and it started because I would actually love to hand it over to Augustine, who is the reason that the Crown Act was even um, brought forth uh, to one of our bill sponsors. Awesome. Sure, thank you, Erica. So um, earlier this year, I was actually doing some research both for school and for a program I do at school, um, an extracurricular activity called um, Youth in Government. And that's like a mock government political debate program. And through my research, that's when I actually found out about the Crown Act. Um, But that was like in the spring. Um, But as um, time went on, especially after the murder of George Floyd and all the events during the summer of this year, um, I um, saw um, the the way I could step in with my voice, you know, as a non-Black voice and use my privilege to give back to the community. Um, Because as a non-Black person, I obviously benefit from the systemic oppression that... um, you know, black people struggle with. And so through that, I found the need to use my voice and I actually emailed um, Senator Antoinette Cedillo Lopez about the Crown Act and I wrote like an entire page about why we needed to pass it and all of that. And she was super, super happy to start that. And with that, we promptly created a team and that's how the COC was created. And so together with joyful collaboration with the entire community and especially with all the black women leaders in the COC who are really spearheading this entire effort, um, we've been able to create a really inclusive and beautiful legislation. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's also like a statewide movement about black empowerment, centering black voices. And it's it's just been an incredible experience for me seeing how um, I can be um, an ally in this, um, movement. And yeah. That's beautiful, Augustine. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much because 
Something that Devin and I talk about um, so often on Reeducated is uh, the parts that allies do play in in creating change and helping us, you know. Um, And sometimes that means, like you said, uh, you know, using your voice and knowing when to, uh, you know, kind of step back and, and center the Black voices on um, certain topics and certain issues. So, um, you know, I think that that's amazing that you had the self-awareness and the compassion to, um, you know, to, to use your voice in that way. And like you said, utilize your privilege to, to bring something to the forefront um, that's meaningful to, to your Black brothers and sisters. So we appreciate that so much. Um, and tell us what, you know, for, for, because I think we're all kind of familiar with the purpose of the, the Crown Act, but for those who are not familiar at all, um, what is the main um, goal of the Crown Act for those that are listening that, that aren't quite familiar? Ed, you want to take it? So the reason why we um, are spearheading this and why it's important to us is the purpose of this is to ensure that people are not discriminated against based on the texture um, or the way protective style that they they wear their hair in. So um, we want to make sure that, you know, people in the workplace or people in schools are not discriminated against because of their hair or seen as unprofessional or less than um, because of their hairstyle and the way that their hair grows out of their head. And so it's really important for us because we've all been in those situations where we walk into a room and automatically people want to touch our hair or they want to ask, is your hair clean because you've had it in braids for a few weeks? And so those kinds of things lessen our um, voice in those spaces. And um, we know that we have something to contribute, um, us and the generation after us. And so we need to be seen and heard for our talent and our intelligence rather than the way that our hair grows or the way that we choose. Yeah, I think that's uh, an amazing explanation because it's, there's already so many other ways, you know, our, our skin, our, you know, culture, the way we dress, there's so many ways that we're discriminated against. And I think that's what can be like so hurtful and so exhausting to us as a people. It's like, dang, like I, I just want to braid my hair. I want to display my culture and I can't, do that sometimes and go into these spaces and, and show up the way that I want to show up and that be okay, you know, and not be sent home, um, you know, from work and lose pay, um, not be able to, uh, you know, wrestle in a match. I mean, I don't know if you all have seen the, we've, we've seen the videos, you know, where they're cutting my heart, 
literally just even talking about it, I'm getting goosebumps because when I saw that video of, of them cutting off this young brother's uh, locks before that match, something in me was just like, I could cry right now just thinking about it, you know, because I think yet some people might hear this conversation and say, oh, well, that's that's extreme, but we cannot, you know, downplay or minimize the fact that those emotions, we experience those emotions just as powerfully from like the microaggressions, the constant microaggressions and the constant, um, you know, uh, being made to feel like we have to explain ourselves and explain why we should be accepted. We have to fight like that. You know what I mean? It just takes so much energy. So, um, I mean, I can go ahead, Erica. Um, all of that. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and, (laughs) that you know uh, to give it some con- some other context uh shout mm-hmm. out to again i'm we are going to do this a lot is uh just refer and say shout out to our coc because when i tell you who there's a video demi i can't wait to send it to you the crew mm-hmm. knows what i'm talking about but it's how it's Young man talking about black women change the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and we really do. But the COC out here has um, created one sheets oh, wow. uh, with all the facts that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And um, this is actually a piece of legislation. One of the few pieces of legislation that is for us by us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on Twitter the other day and I found out that the 90s kids didn't know what boo-boo meant and I felt old. So uh, <laughs> I was like, they didn't know? What is that? Um, but one of the things that um, this is a nationwide legislation, It when we do pass the crown here in New Mexico, we will be state number seven. New Orleans, I found out just this week, New Orleans just passed to the crown um, in their city, which is beautiful. Um, and one of the things that we have been so blessed to do is be in joyful collaboration with Dove and the Joy Collective. Now, I don't know if you remember for context a while ago, was it like a year or two ago when Dove had that really terrible ad that when a black woman went to change, she was in uh, she was in a white lady. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> I do like these things. We see it right, and we're like, oh, there they go again. But this okay. is their this is their direct response. Their restorative justice. They literally, you know. The, there's this thing that's kind of circulating for me in, in healing work and therapy work is the best form of an apology is changed behavior. Mm. And so they literally, the one thing that I've, I've been so proud about our group and being able to be connected to such huge national spaces, um, Delegate Stephanie Smith in Maryland spoke to us because she passed the crown out there. And the one thing that she said 
in our a seat at the table for our non-Black accomplices um, that we held. She was like, if Maryland needed this, where one in three folks are Black, how much more do you think New Mexico is going to need this? Mm. And so um, one of the things that happened with that really crazy, terrible ad was Dove was like, let's do some research, right? Let's do some research on discrimination, specifically hair discrimination, and how can we support that? And that's really huge because um, passing policy in this country for Black folks, as we have seen with our, with I don't even want to call them ancestors, I mean with our elders, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that far behind us. Um, passing legislation for us and for our liberation is difficult. Um, and so you were absolutely right, but um, let me see. It says 1.5 times more Black women are 1.5 times more likely to be sent home from the workplace because of their hair. 3.4 uh, t- times more likely to be perceived as unprofessional, and 30% of Black women are more likely to be made aware of a formal workplace appearance policy compared to their non-Black counterparts. Now, we're also going to put this um, this into the Human Rights Act for New Mexico. And we're going to put this in the Education, Education Act to protect our K-12 through babies. Um, I worked with uh, Devin for a while uh, when he first came on to Office of African American Affairs. And one of the things that we both were working toward was the mentorship program. And just in 2020, in February 2020, before the crazy shutdown, we got a call for one of our students, um, a seventh grader, uh, no, eighth grader, because my daughter's a ninth grader. Um, one of my ninth grade, my friend, my daughter's a freshman this year. And last year in middle school, they uh, actually sent a young woman home until she would take her hair out. So uh, what... <laughs> pause yeah what yeah. what and what just so we can because i feel like we need to get into these like nitty-gritty instant incidents in order to um fully illuminate and uh you know portray what it is that we're dealing with here in that specific instance what what do you know what the hairstyle was it was a protective style was, it was a protective style it was a protective style and the color wasn't as it was, it was a protective style um, and it was deemed as distracting. Um, and uh, I really want to get to, like, I just wanted to, to clarify yeah. the thing with these incidents is that it happens to our youth. We just don't hit the public the mm-hmm. way that so many others do. For that young boy with the locks, Um, in the sporting incident, the way, like these handbooks are outdated. They are discriminatory. Um, And most of all, I found out that students make them and who's in student government, not our black babies. So there's just a lot of what we have included. And the other pieces is that this act is uh, the most inclusive crown act. We have included um, hijabs, burqas, uh, just more inclusive than the Crown Act is seen before, than before, but it's also still in direct fidelity to the Crown Act that has been nationwide, which is really great. But, but we have instances from our student leaders 
I would love for Kelsey to share an instance, but they don't, they don't, they go under the radar, you know, and, and it's so sad because you, you walk around with, with the trauma of these aggressions and you're supposed to just stomach it. So like, those are the ones that I've directly advocated for. I've gone yes. through my daughter. I've, I've, I'm a grown woman. And I think all of us here that have ever had our braids in or ever changed our hair for the next day at work have had somebody grab at our hair. Um, the adultification that happens for our youth. Um, <clears throat> but I would actually really love to hear from Kelsey because our students, as they have been pouring in, we've, Augustine, again, massive shout out to you because he has linked us to um, a majority of the BSUs that are at the table with us from the Cueva. They weren't able to make it this morning um, to Albuquerque High. Miss um, Kelsey is the is an intern for Miss Tori. And and like our, our youth are doing so many beautiful things, but there is that piece of discrimination mm. and implicit bias that their that their teachers still put on them. So, Kelsey, do you have any? Can you share something that maybe happened? Um, yeah, there's definitely times when I've gone into school and I've straightened my hair, and they're like, "Well, did you did you did you did you cut it, or did you what happened to your hair?" And all these little microaggressions, or when I wear braids oh, did your hair grow that quickly? And it's not just from the students. I've had teachers tell me this as well in front of the entire class. And it's like, how do you want me to respond to this? And even one time when I was so fed up from the day after a bunch of kids told me, oh, did did you grow your hair that quick? Did you grow your hair in two days? I just had to tell the teacher, no, I put water on it or something when I switched my hairstyles and this continues to happen. And a lot of times in those, um, like Erica was saying, in the dress codes, they just deem it as, well, your hair can be distracting. So because I wear my hair like this, it's distracting to everyone else. And I know when I do my hair, if I see a hairstyle on Pinterest, I'm like, oh, I want to try this. Um, My mind sometimes, and I hate to say this, but my mind sometimes goes, well, what what is everybody else going to think? Because the only Mm. acceptable hairstyles for me is when I have it down. And of course, there's privilege with having hair that's not 4C because I know they get it a lot worse but it's well if I wear my twist out to school what are they going to think even if I put time into my twist out or if I be want to do braids in the front and have the rest curly it's what is everybody else going to think because then I'm perceived as ghetto I'm perceived mm-hmm. as oh she's she's just from the hood and all of these different things but And they continue to have this behavior and say these different things. And I think this, the little things about discrimination that happen in schools, but it's, it matters. Kids, they feel it. So this is a way to attack that. And I think when, even when you look at discipline records and you see that in some schools, it's 4.9%, 4 4.9 4.9 times higher for black students to get suspended mm-hmm. well you're like of course some of that's implicit bias but then their hair is distracting mm-hmm. the, the clothes they wear is distracting and that's all reasons for them to get suspended and 
this is just a way to attack some of that. Of course, we're not going to hit all of it right now, but this is a way for us to get to it. And I think for Black students in schools, they see this and they're like, this is what's needed. This is something that's helping helping me. And it's not a form of, it's not therapy, but it's it's something and it's making students feel better. Yeah. Making students feel heard and feel seen and feel safe. I mean, I don't think that that's too much to ask. I don't think that's unreasonable um, to, you know, level the playing field so that when our students go into school, they, this is supposed to be, I mean, they're, they're in school a lot of times more, you know, than they're with us. And if they're going to a place that, you know, every day, day in and day out. I mean, imagine what that does to our youth mentally, emotionally, developmentally, that they're constantly having to, you know, defend themselves and educate grown, grown people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that is going to have, you know, and it has had, um, far reaching impacts on, on our community as a whole, on on people as individuals on on students um they're there to learn and to get their education and to uh get the tools they need to to chase their dreams and and to become whatever it is they want to become in this world and they're stepping into a space you know like you said where now you're having to do mental gymnastics when you want to just do your hair like you shouldn't be having to to do all that that's too much you know for us to have to to bear the brunt of of that like i said that mental exercise that we have to go through every time we want to just style our hair right. um and then to you know Dare I touch on, you know, the gaslighting that happens once we, you know, face these microaggressions and and the discrimination. And then now it's, oh, you, you're getting an attitude, you're getting disrespectful because you want to speak up for yourself and you want to have a voice. And now, you know, you're being gaslit to, to, and made to think, or you're having these stigmas attached to you that you're like we we do, you know, it happens to us. We're angry. We're, you know, mouthy. We're attitudinal. We're all these it's things. When in think accountability is an attack, mm. and because it's gone on for so long, like like it, it's back in the and and we have to think generationally, right? Mm. Like there is the generation that had to conform to save themselves. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we don't sit in our space and not honor our, our, our own aunties, our elders, you know, we don't, we don't sit back and be like, uh, you know, they got that firm, whatever. Like we don't mm-hmm. do none of that, but there is just this understanding of what each of us have gone through. And you can see like, for like me and Deb's babies, you can see that, we're really allowing this natural art, their natural hair to kind of be like, you know, like you can just see the changes. Mm. Because once upon a time, when you would speak up, that would mean losing your job. That would mean actually, you know, being literally, you know, physically in danger or, 
maybe even financially in danger if you're getting sent home from work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing too that we that I know we want to speak to, and I actually also want to get to Heather because Heather's in the South where there's more of us, but it's but it's still deeply problematic. But yes. the other piece is too like um we just we know I forgot what I was gonna say, it was right there. But we know that um we just know that it, there's a change that's coming and to, to uh, there's a TED talk out that says this, it's like Beyonce taught me about racism or something. It's absolutely wonderful as a BFBI <laughs> fan, but Give me the talks, link. <laughs> know, but it, she talks about what it takes to be considered um, this, this wonderful mind, a uh, black woman, she talks about what it takes to be considered a master at something. And, and every 10,000 hours that you have under your belt of practice makes you an expert. New, uh, mm-hmm. Not just New Mexico, but our nation is, they have been, they have mastered, they are masters at the insidiousness of racism. Mm. And, and I mean, come on, 400 years, mm. 10,000, what, what does that translate to? So when yeah. we do, you know, ha- hold people accountable, I've been in that space where I'm holding someone accountable and I've literally been like pulled to the side, pulled in an office. And it's like, and, and had to actually, how many times have we had to apologize you know, for, for what, what someone, for the harm we've gone through. And so this, like, and, and just to speak to, again, I, I, I definitely want to hear from Heather and her story because there's the intersection of being um, a Black American at the intersection of being LGBTQ plus being, um, and, or being non-binary. Like there's these, there are these intersections um, that, our our siblings may not be safe with just because of how they choose to express. And that's what I was going to say is that when we do it is considered ghetto, right? Mm. When it's on Kylie Jenner, when Kylie Jenner puts on Bantu knots or Lord, you know, we lost it with Adele. We was trying to Adele. <laughs> I was just about right. to say so Adele. <laughs> her at the cookout, but she showed up with, you know, the great valued mess. She said a great value mess and I know it because they will do it and they will take it and, and it's low Derek braids and it's avant-garde and Mm -hmm. we've done it when it's come from us. I will never forget. I worked at Blue Cross and I have braids and, um, my really poor, and he's, Poor old white man. I love this man so much. <laughs> but he was like, you got braids like Bo Derek. I was like, no, Bo Derek has braids. Like, like me. Like me, braids. <laughs> like, me braids. What are you doing? And for yes. the basis on the call, that is a white lady that got Ulami braids once. Um, so And everybody just loved it. And they just went wild. And, and it went from being so, like the beautiful braids that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we do to being Bo Derek grades, but yeah, sorry, Heather, can you sound off on like what it's like in the South where they're where we're seeing more, but it's still so conservative still? Yes, please. Yes, um, 
well, as you all know, Southern New Mexico is purple. So we we do have in, in the in the cities we're a little bit more blue, but uh, agriculturally and outside of the cities we're very red. So um, it's it's a little bit more difficult down here as far as like swaying our electors because uh, they're in you know kind of trying to navigate between two different parties um, and. Black people don't really make up a large part of our population down here. Um, it's more up north where we have uh, bigger concentrations of black population. But um, that being said, we've made pretty big strides, especially at the collegiate level. Um, at the collegiate level, ASNMSU uh, have, has passed the, the crown in their, uh, in their government, their student government. So they, they're already ahead of the game um, in like the, in the smaller area, but they're ahead of the game as far as um, making that protection for the, the students there for themselves. Um, they created this resolution and passed it um, before we even, you know, were able to even get to them. They, they had already done that. So I'm very proud to say that, you know, the students of NMSU, the BSAs are, you know, on top of those things as far as protecting black students. Um, and if they also have other uh, things in there. They have like other uh, legislation in their resolution, which, you know, also protects discriminatory acts for skin color or anything else that may protect black students. Um, we have a lot of support from barber shops, barbers, cosmetologists. Um, and as far as, as far as they go, it's, 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 it's very important for them because we don't have a lot of black, uh, you know, barbers or anything like that, but we do have a lot of um, people who know that <laughs> this is going to be an uphill battle and they have, they have clients and they have people who have, you know, kind of told them about the discriminatory practices that people have in schools or in, you know, places of work and, they've kind of like, you know, kind of tried to protect all of us as far as, you know, coming together in a, in a place where we really don't have a lot of backing with the, with the public. So um, since we have such a small population, like Eric was saying, it's the, the protection, the protections are really needed as far as even, I mean, like in the Southern parts of us, like we, I mean, I, I think that we get probably discriminated against more um, in schools and things like that because, I mean, we're few and far between. Uh, I Anytime I was in school, I was probably like the only black kid, you know, in the class or, you know, in, in the grade. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been kind of tough, but I'm so proud of our youth. I'm so proud of uh, everybody at the collegiate level. Um, Passing the crown here and, and in these small places, just like, you know, um, cities are trying to pass the crown, um, like Akron, Ohio, uh, Kansas City. And so when we see support like in, in smaller places and we can grow, I think that's that's where we're that's where we uh, really will be able to shine. Um, because federally, Afros are the only thing that are protected. And so. If these, if we continue as states 
to pass these things federally, I think, you know, we'll have more traction to protect us nationally. So um, as far as the South goes, we're really trying to do our due diligence. We're really trying to get um, these electors, these elected officials to come on our side. It's a little bit more difficult, but we're, we're, we're up for the challenge and we're, we're working hard for it over here on this, in the South. Yeah. Well, thank you, Heather. That kind of illuminates, um, you know, another facet uh, of, of the, the conversation and the issue. Um, I think that it's so interesting for us because we are in New Mexico, right? Like we having this conversation in a place like Georgia, you know, where I have family in Louisiana, Mississippi, where those Black populations are, you know, huge Black populations. Whereas out here, you know, we represent um, 2%, if that, of the population. Um, but it's it's also different and a very intricate thing because we're in this place where there's lots of people of color, but there's not a lot of Black people, right? And so that creates this different kind of landscape and this different type of, um, you know, environment socially where we have these, you know, people, so many people of color, we have all of this terminology like tricultural state and all and these that's things. What the hell we're trying to can you censor me? Yes. <laughs> I got you. So sorry. It's but all that's good. What we in the COC have been talking about. I know mm-hmm. I know Deb can speak to that. I know Heather can speak to that. Um we got really because as you're on that topic, it brings me to how the Crown Act on October 20th uh, the New Mexico Crown Act, we had five amazing women uh, sit with our now Secretary of the Interior, um, Deb Holland. Um, <laughs> she, like, gave us a town hall to yeah. discuss what it is that we go through. And the best thing that happened was at the top of the call, and, and anybody that watched this, specifically Deb, because she was there, um remember when she said as because again like you're saying there's there's a minority majority here but black folks don't get considered and i mm-hmm. don't think that people understand that you can't say uh people of color because often you can but it, it doesn't apply to us people it does, yeah. not apply to us and when you say women of color it it doesn't apply to black women you know right but the best thing that happened at the top of that call was when she said i want to talk about this because i don't have that problem my hair grows straight it was, she was like I, and yeah. it was so huge because people were initially trying to make it seem as if we were going to have um uh issue or conflicting problems with our indigenous relatives and mm. that didn't happen we had the utmost support you know and that's beautiful and that call was so dope just because i mean first of all 
Deb, Dr. Means, Monet Archibald, um, Asia Brooks, shut that down. Okay. <laughs> it, was, Good. it was the highlight of fall. Okay. Let's just be clear. <laughs> yes. We got a whole hour with her and we got to talk about, we have to get away from the tri- tri-ethnic state. We mm-hmm. have to get away from, there has to be a space um, where black folks can say, this is, this is, this is what we're doing for ours. And, yeah. you know, coming from that black femme theory of, of when you center black women, everybody wins from margin to center. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yes. I 100% go for it, Deb. What we've learned too, what we've learned or, or what we recognized and called out is that when you're in New Mexico, when we say people of color, it, act, it actually creates a huge erasure of Black people and Black uh, women specifically, because when you're saying people of color, automatically in New Mexico, people think Hispanic or, you know, um, Indigenous people. And, but they're never talking specifically about Black people. Um, they lump us in and they completely forget us and erase us. And so that's why this legislation is so important because it centers us and it's, and it's saying, hey, we're here. We as Black people, as Black women, we are here and we are important and y'all are going to see us and you're going to hear us. Um, whether you want to or not. And so I think this legislation is important on that level. And there's other things that need to happen. This is the first step in a step of many that need to happen for Black people to uh, be seen and heard in New 100%. Um, I think it it's so important too, because it there's just like you were mentioning earlier, Erica, there's so many intersections and there's so many ways that this issue impacts other facets of our lives um, and other social issues like, um, you know, jobs. I mean, if we have, if there is um, a, a, a mechanism, if there is a that implicit bias and all of this that we're having to overcome, um, you know, how, how are we getting jobs at the same rate? How is that equal? You know what I mean? If there's that discrimination there, how are our children getting the, uh, the level of ed- education that they're supposed to get if they're being suspended and if they're being picked on and they're having to deal with the emotional trauma that comes with the lack of uh, acceptance and protections in these instances. You know, it, it just impacts so many um, aspects of, of society and so many different issues that uh, it intersects with. So I think that, you know, I just wanted to put that out there because I think that for, you know, if I'm, if I'm listening from someone else's perspective, a, a non-Black person, um, and I'm saying, well, you know, this it's just hair, 
You know what I mean? I think there's some people, unfortunately, that'll, that will hear this and hear that. And it's just like, oh, it always has to be about race. And it has to be about that. Not understanding the uh, wide reaching um, implications and, and impact that an issue like this has on not just us. Because if if you have a group of people that's, you know, being discriminated against and being held back and marginalized, then really everybody loses. And I think that's like, I hope that we're coming into understanding that as a society, you know, on a larger level that if we, if we make it so that every, everybody is heard, seen, respected, loved, and cared for, everybody wins. Period. Boo. <laughs> like, period. <laughs> um, I thought of what you said about how mentally in schools, when you're being discriminated against, you're not getting that full education. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true because I did. Now I go to online school. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, everybody's pretty much online now. But I switched <laughs> completely to an online school because mentally I couldn't take going to school. And I've been there for years for a couple years at that specific school. And I just, I was doing everything I could. I was working with superintendents. I was trying to make change. But when you're in just in that mindset, you're debilitated. And I think that Mm -hmm. in this form, when you have people who can step up and when you have older people disorder, do this for you and have people who are in this space and they can help make that change. This is so amazing because when you're in there, it's like, nobody's listening to me. Nobody can help me. And they gaslight you so much for everything you want to change. Even if it's, well, this person called me the N word. What did you say to them? I'm like, what did you mean? What it doesn't I- matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they complete and they completely gaslight you until you don't know what, what, um, you don't think you can make change. And so your mind is like, well, I can at least do this, but you don't even know how far you can go when you're in school, when you're in that school and everybody's gaslighting you. I know once I got to online school, I ran off and was like doing different things. But when I was in there, I was like, well, well, I can try and do this. I just didn't know how far you could go. And I think, and when you're in school, that's what it does, what it does. And not even talking about how it affects your education. Cause while you're in there, you're like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm still making good grades, but like, at what cost are you doing At that? At what cost? I wanted, I, I am pissed about Rona that I can't hug people. <laughs> I can't just go Same. and hug people. But um, what you're saying is so true, Kelsey. You cannot try to, you, you can't, how do you make impactful change when you're actually being harmed? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're being traumatized, and we have our co-chair of Laquela BSU, Kiana Sanchez, on the call, um, who also can speak to that too, um, li- very literally from like in having. And again, it takes that covering. And New Mexico, we're so I can't say enough how how inherently grateful I am that the. Central Organizing Committee is this intergenerational space of Black women that we cover our student leaders. 
we're always like, hey, baby, shout out to Art. Like, it's Sag, Sag season. Um, happy birthday <laughs> to the crew. And, like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, P.S., you know, wonderful job, so-and-so. And, like, you, like it is it, – and, and I hope that. My hope is, and it, and it, it feels this way in, in confirmation from hearing from you, Kelsey, that you, you – you need to be able to focus because you already stick out. We already stick out no matter what group we're in. And so, and, and, and so having um, us be able to block for you so that you can concentrate and make these moves for you. That's one of the things we've been telling our accomplices is, and we call our accomplices a seat at the table, our non-black supporters of this policy. Um, we also have so much joy in our crowns. We have a whole Google form going that I'll get out to you guys. Shout out to Nicole Rogers. Um, she made a Google form that we're talking about the glory of our crowns to mm-hmm. Karen level discriminations that we've endured. But what people don't understand is the right of passage that you feel getting your hair braided for the first time. Um, what you feel when you are um walking around and you just start I don't no one should watch this. I shouldn't even say this, but Big Mouth had a really good <laughs> a good season this year. Missy found her the right grades. And they had a whole song that was on point about code switching and how we have to present. And so for our baby for I don't you know when I call y'all babies, it's from the bottom of my heart. It's not on no That's the it's, mama. It's, it's me and mom, but like yeah. When we can block for our babies and let them take up all the space that they've been told they cannot take up, it mm-hmm. means something. Kiana, do you mind sharing your story and what LaQuaiva has turned into, like for you all? Um, LaQuaiva is predominantly white school, and so I think um, this year we restarted the BSU up again. But I think if it weren't for online, I don't think we would have had as much space to restart the BSU like we did. Um, the attitude at La Cueva for me my first year was I, I had a trouble in a couple of classes and their, um, their idea was just to pass me through, not even get me like, you know, a good grade. They're like, well, as long as you just pass, you're good. And my mom was like, she's not getting any D's. Like we need to fix this. And they're like, it's fine if she gets D's as long as she just, they're like, just to like, just get me through. So they're grad, like either get me through or a lot of my friends um, that were of color, they ended up dropping out and moving to online school. And I think that was like part of their system. Mm, part of their system to um, just kind of like move you out of the way in a yeah. sense. Because wow. they're like top school, their graduation rates are high. And I'll tell you why they're high. Cause they like kids that aren't so good at school, just float through the wind or just drop out. Mm, wow. And I mean, that, that's something. And Heather, I want to get to you because I saw you, you kind of had your hand up, but I think that that's something that is, is crazy to me that it's just like, even on the level of high school, you know, you have people dismissing you and pushing you out of, of certain spaces where you have every right to be and you have every right to be in that space 100% as yourself. 
Um, so I think it takes a very brave, um, you know, young person to stand up to that because you said it, it's a system. And as we know, I mean, LaQuave has been around for a minute, you know, like it's, and once those systems um, in that status quo, that's when we start seeing all the hatred and the vitriol and the attacks, right? When we start talking about accountability and we start putting the spotlight on systems and on uh, protocols and things like that, that are problematic and that are discriminatory, that's when you get that pushback. So I think um, kudos to you, Kiana, Kelsey, Augustine, as students for pushing back against those, those deeply rooted systems. And, and, and it makes me hurt that our youth have to take this on, you know, they've taken on adults. They're taking on adults in this that are, um, you know, employing these, these systems. Um, Heather, I wanted to circle back around to you. I know you, you had something to add. Yes. Um, and, um, thank you. Thank you, students. Uh, your, your stories resonate with me so much because, uh, whenever I was in college, which, this was before Rona. This is years back, but um, I was forced out. Um, I mean, I got good grades and everything like that. I was a sociology major, uh, but the gaslighting that went on, um, the, you know, even with teachers of sociology, you would think in your race and ethnic relations class that you wouldn't feel the type of way that they make you feel like an outsider, like you're not, you know, worthy enough to be there or uh, center you in, in, in situations where you shouldn't be centered, uh, putting you on the spotlight. Uh, mm-hmm. And so and so because of all of the discrimination that that I, you know, had and, and I went through during my four well, during about two to two and a half years of college, I just said, I'm just going to do online. I'm just going to do online. I'm just going to do everything so that I don't have to interact with these people because it's making me feel like college isn't the thing for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a lot of uh, resources and going against, you know, uh, you know, a young person going against, you know, colleges. I'm talking to deans. I'm talking to professors and they're kind of pushing me out the door like they did with you all. So I'm happy that we are kind of getting a hold of this and I applaud you young people because you did a lot more than I did and at even the college level. So I applaud you. And I, and I really think that our youth is going to be the thing that saves us and that pushes us and drives us to, you know, become better and to have more protections and to become, you know, just a better society in, in total because, you guys are seriously like some of the strongest kids I've ever seen and some of the most inspirational children and, you know, young youth that has, I mean, that I've ever seen in, you know, in my life. And um, I, I am so happy that we have come together and that we can, you know, inspire change throughout the state. And this is only the first thing that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a lot more things that protect our people. And I'm very excited about the work we're doing. But 
I do want to thank you, uh, you all for being such strong, um, minded and, you know, lovable and, you know, caring about other people. It's, it's just amazing. 100%. I, I second that. And I, I think that, um, it's so important to just to, you know, just touch on something real quick that I think that we cannot, uh, fail to mention. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the conversation ends up, um, you know, on focus on black women because we, you know, see, bear the brunt of it just because of the nature of, you know, how we're, we're doing our hair. But, um, for someone like, I mean, Devin, you, that's what I love about Devin. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to wait because you, you know, I'm going to, going to bring you into this because, um, I think that, uh, black men face a type of, uh, discrimination that's like, uh, they, they're just demonized in a different way than us. Um, it's not about who's more or less or anything. It's just a different way because they're seen as like dangerous. And so that's the, that's what, you know, we have to deal with where we see black men losing their lives. In a lot of these situations, we see these videos because of, you know, uh, the stigma, stigmas that are attached to, you know, locks, twists, anything like that, natural hair that a, that a man is wearing um, can be threatening, not threatening in like a, in a way of like, oh, you're, you're doing too much. You're outshining me. You know, you need to stay in your place, young black lady, you know, that type thing in a way that is threat, they feel threatened because of what they attach to, uh, males wearing their, their natural hair. And it causes us to lose our, our black men, you know what I mean? So I think I can't, we can't gloss over that. Um, Devin, you want to speak to that for just a second? I mean, wearing your natural hair and, and how that's, you know, impacted you, you know, as a youth and in the workplace? Yeah, definitely. And for me, I had a lot of this um, type of discrimination, specifically dealing with sports, because that's where I have most of my focus and presence. But essentially, when it come, when it came to just hairstyles and presence, like I always would be fearful of having the cops called on me when I'm in certain spaces because um, when I was in high school, I was in a lot of those uh, non-black spaces. And so having the the cops called on me or going to the principal's office or even uh, when it came to being on the court, you know, I'm having my coach saying, oh, your hair is too this or to that, you need to cut it just so you can be like everybody else on the team. And even when it came to when I was doing my master's, um, I was uh, working on some research uh, specifically dealing with mentorship for uh, Black student athletes um, coming out of an oversight uh, organization or through cultural centers. And when I was doing my research, I uh, went to present at the CSRI in um, South Carolina. And during that time, um, 
just going being in South Carolina, I was scared for my life. Just just the looks that I was getting from people driving in their cars or walking around. And it wasn't as bad being at the conference, but outside of the conference, it was definitely uncomfortable. But um, coming back from the conference, I was at the airport and it was one of the first times I was actually able to get on the airplane first. And during that time, I get stopped by the uh, the um, law enforcement that's working in the airports. And they're, uh, I'm in a place that I haven't been before. I'm by myself going back home. And they're like, hey, you know, um, you look a little bit suspicious. What's going on? Are you okay? They're asking me where I'm going, where I'm coming from. Why am I here? Um, when is uh, my flight leaving? Uh, all these different intrusive questions that, you know, there's a lot of other people who probably were doing some of the same stuff that I was. But because I'm a big black man who's wearing dreads, I'm a threat to a lot of people or a lot of people are uncomfortable when I'm in certain spaces or a lot of people think that, you know, I shouldn't be in certain spaces because of how I look or my hairstyle. And those, there are some other stories, but I feel like that's the biggest one mm. when it comes to me seeming like a threat. And again, when it comes like in Albuquerque, a lot of people, a lot more people know me, but when I go to Dallas, when I go to Vegas, when I go to California, all these different places, I'm always scared for my life. I got to be careful about what colors that I wear when I'm out in certain spaces, just because I don't want to seem like I'm affiliated with a gang. And mm -hmm. it's all these different aspects that I have to really actively think about just to make sure that I'm protected and mm -hmm. not thrown in jail or not killed in any type of way. Yeah. I mean, and that all goes back to, you know, the burden that's placed on us, um, you know, Erica. I just wanted to say, Devin is a gentle giant, okay? Oh, my goodness. Um, so <laughs> that <true>. is okay. <laughs> and, like, because it hurts me. Like, we got, I got a chance to really get to know Devin uh, about a year ago. And his heart for young people, like, it just hurts me to know that I know this person and like many of you getting to know all of you I feel so deeply um so deeply for each of you and to listen to these things like I know his heart for uh young leaders I know his heart for sports I know his heart for coaching like just in like watching the way that OAAA has brought him on to organize in that capacity for specifically young men. Mm -hmm. um, he single-handedly alongside who I call Auntie Bev, um, Miss Bev Jordan. Bev <laughs> Jordan. Everybody's auntie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Miss Beverly. Hi, auntie. But like, we, but like the way that like, he was able to take uh, vibes. The the young male summit was the first, the first young male sum, summit for Black American APS students, and so to hear that this gentle giant, because when Devin gets up, he's also what like six five. I don't even know. Six I mean, nine. Like, <laughs> like duh. 
duck when you come through the door, sir. Because I don't know, like, if the beam's going to make it, you know, but whatever. But, like, you know, he's just, he's this gentle giant. And to know that you go through these things and to know that it's not lost on so many other people with the same dichotomy and story, like, Mm -hmm. This is where these changes have to happen. And again, we do say center Black women, but Mm -hmm. please know the Black women in this space, we bout that life when it comes to our our men and our children. Mm -hmm. Like where, and I don't mean to, these knuckle tattoos, you can catch these on (laughs) you. But I mean, I'm working on me. I'm working on. I love it. I'm working on me. But like, within the same time, at the same time, like, like I, I would, I love. It's the work that you have to do to just simply. I can't imagine, and I hate to say it in this way, but because of the relations and the heightened society we are we are in, Mm -hmm. who and where would we be if? Because like mediocrity, and we don't have to do this today. That's another call. <laughs> mediocrity prevails with with white students. The way that mediocrity prevails with white professionals. Um, that's the you have literally. I'm. I'm. And this is for everybody on this call. We have some amazing genius minds in this space right now, and to know that that conversation and that light is deflected because of our skin and because of the way our hair grows out of our head and because of, you know, just the way that things have been set up in this country. It's, it sucks, but it's the, the way we're taking that narrative back is through the Crown Act. Absolutely. And I think that this is, this is just so, pivotal and so important we can't I can't even find the words to attach to how um how much gravity this has um for us I mean I don't want not another person to feel how I felt when you know I was in sixth grade and I my hair was I had my hair natural up until, you know, I was 11 and I begged, begged for a perm. I begged, my mama said, no, no, Dano, you leave your hair. Like, trust me, leave it. Like, it's fine. But there was nothing that she could say to comfort me and to my mama, my own mama, there was nothing that she could say to me to comfort me and to help me to realize my own beauty and my own power that was in my crown. And I get emotional because I want not another person to feel like they have to straighten their hair to feel accepted, to feel beautiful, to feel like they can move in this world freely and accomplish the things that they want to accomplish and dominate the spaces that they want to dominate and, and to just do all the things that their hearts desire. And there was moments because of how people treated me because of my hair, the comments they made, the, the incessant questioning and the, all of the things that we're discussing on this call today that, broke my heart literally and we're still mending that and i want not another youth not another person 
to feel that feeling of not being good enough, of not being able to show up just as beautiful and as powerful as you are. So. I love that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm for it. Like, look, I am here for it 100% because I think that you know, this is where, this is how it happens. You know, yes, we're all talking about these very painful stories and, and, um, memories and experiences, but that pain, um, it only fuels our, our passion and our resolve to create this change and push it forward, uh, by any means necessary, by any means necessary. And, um, I think that, you know, it's going to take our youth voices, it's going to take that uh, generational collaboration uh, that we mentioned earlier, and it's going to take us, you know, just, just um, you know, all pain and all, <laughs> trauma and all, um, you know, coming into um, our, our voices and using our voices. It, it takes our allies, you know, our, our, our non-Black uh, you know, uh, siblings to, to step up as well. So, um, you know, I, I just want to really quick, cause I know we're coming up on the hour and everything. I feel like we, we should say something, you know, to, to folks, um, to our, our black people and also to our allies how can people best, maybe everybody kind of chime in a little bit, how can people best um, support these efforts, whether it's on like a personal level and shifting your own personal paradigm and how you, you know, interact with uh, Black folks and their hair and things like that. Um, or on getting involved on a legislative level or a community organizational level. Um, does anyone have any like just quick, succinct, powerful um, words of advice for e- people on either sides of that? I see Deb's eyebrows raised and she's breathing deep. Go ahead. (laughs) Go, Deb. (laughs) You know how I am. That might not have been a good idea. Um, (laughs) I think that the one thing that I always go to is that people need to really be about that life. Like, if you're going to say you're an ally, be an ally in spaces that are uncomfortable. Don't Mm. be an ally on online when you're behind the keyboard. If you see a black person in peril or in the workplace being discriminated against for their hairstyle or whatever, be an ally. Because if you're going to say you're an ally because it looks good on the internet, you're not helping anyone and you're certainly not helping us. So either be about that life or sit down and shut up. Mm. Yeah, then also adding to that, when you're an ally and there's no Black voices in the room and something's going on, you have to be that voice. You have to be the one to stand up and say something about it. Because like Deb was saying, you can't just say it online and it's going to work. You have to be that voice in spaces where there are no Black people and 
things are going down. You have to step up and be that voice. And that's on Boo, Mary Had a Little Lamb. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've seen where the money resides, but yes, like performative allyship will not be tolerated. That's not where we are. Um, Does anybody else want to say something before I plug the Gmail? I I would say... um... Call your call, email your electors, call your any officials, push this um, as much as you can, because the more and more they hear it, the more they can't ignore it. And they have to, you know, like listen to what you have to say. So the more people that we have uh, calling your senators, calling your legislators, calling your representatives, calling your city council, um, and the more, you know, they hear our stories and the more they more information they get, the, you know, the better. So I would say that's a that's something that's pretty powerful that you could do, um, especially during these times of, of you know, not be, being online all the time and things like that. Like those are things that you can do from your home that can really impact uh, the crown. Absolutely. Um, Kiana, really quick, just because we haven't heard from you too much. What do you have, uh, what words of support, encouragement um, do you have for other students who may have faced the issues that you've faced, um, you know, in school as a student? Uh, what do you have to say to them who, who may be struggling? Um, I just want to say that um, their feelings are very valid. It doesn't matter what any adult in the office says about a person calling them the n-word or a teacher just being straight up racist I want them to say that they're not being sensitive that their feelings are incredibly valid and they should always listen to how they feel and not let anybody affect that even though it can get hard sometimes 100 that's beautiful and I'm sending y'all so much love um everybody on this call I think that it just speaks volumes about us because we talk about, you know, the struggles and the issues that we face. And, and that's, that's present for who knows how long we're going to be going through this and we're going to be in this fight, but there's so much, so much beauty in us as a people. And there's so much fight in us and there's so much, uh, passion and so much, um, resilience you know there's so many things that are beautiful and i i never want to forget to to celebrate that as well um and i mean this this call in and of itself is a testament to to all of that to all of the courage to all of the uh the sleepless nights and the research and the the putting ourselves in uncomfortable spaces you know cuz at the end of the day we're human you know there's something about this melanin that's superhuman, but at the end of the day, you know, we have, we have we have these feelings. You know, we we uh, it takes a lot of courage to to put yourself. You know, being a part of the committee as all of you are. Um, you know, Augustine. You know, it takes courage because there is people that you know. Why are you doing that? Like, why is that your cause? Like, that's, that's not about you. That's not for you. I'm sure, you know, that can, can be difficult in a way, but 
Um, I'm just so, so proud. And it really uplifts my whole spirit and my whole heart to, to get on this call with, with all these beautiful spirits and, and powerful voices. Um, and Devin, thank you. And, you know, to the office of African-American affairs for, um, creating this platform and this space for us is so beautiful. Yeah. And thank you all again. I know this is a big marathon that um, you all especially are running, but all black people and all allies are running. And so I appreciate you all on this call being at the forefront and really taking the initiative and taking the time, energy and effort, even going into your personal lives to do everything that you've done and you will continue to do in order to uh, fight for the rights of black people and you know, uh, the allies of Black people to have respect, have that equity, and have that backing in all the different spaces where, at the end of the day, like Danny was saying, we're all human. And so we all need to be treated like humans in certain spaces. And when one group isn't treated as humans, you know, there's a big issue. And so being able to, again, have the efforts that you've done in order to address this issue along with some of the other stuff. I really appreciate it. Yes, I want you, Erica, um, or whoever I want to, um, if you can speak to how and where people can go to get all the information to get involved and support the cause. Please uh, email Crownet New Mexico at Gmail. It's all spelled out, Crownet New Mexico, one word. Uh, at gmail.com we meet uh usually about twice a week right now we're on break just like everybody else is we deserve a break we deserve uh, some semblance of rest so we will reconvene at the top of the year um we've had some really beautiful sir we have had some really beautiful opportunities. He can't, this is serious and he can't be trusted on the floor. Um, so, but he can't be trusted. Uh, but <laughs> we uh, have some really beautiful opportunities with a lot of virtual lobbying uh, coming up that I've shared with our, C- our COC space. We do have our a seat at the table meeting that will convene at the top of the year before session. Um, we're really shout out to our bill sponsors, sir. Um, uh, Cheryl, Representative Cheryl uh, Williams Stapleton, who will run it in the House, uh, to uh, Councilwoman Lancena and C- at CABQ. We actually have an ordinance coming forth at the top of the year as well. He co signs. Um, and also, he's like, Yay, crown neck! <laughs> yes, um, he celebrates, but yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so thank you, to, uh, Councilwoman Lancena, for making this one of the first pieces. One of the, one of her, this is her first year, and you know, her freshman year, if you will, and this is one of the first pieces of legislation she or pieces of uh, work she's bringing forth for the city. Um, so we're grateful to that, to our COC, to our attorneys within the COC. Um, we love y'all so much. Everybody in our COC, we love you guys so much. The work that we've been putting forward. It's, this is true community effort, mm-hmm. um, which I'm grateful for. But yeah, to our bill sponsors, Rep. Cheryl uh, St- uh, William Stapleton, 
you're not getting down. Uh, Senator Antoinette Sadia Lopez and with uh, Linda Lopez. We're really excited that we have such powerhouses uh, that said, yeah, we'll break, we'll block for you and we'll make a way. Because the other thing I want to add is like, we're not a monolith. Like, for instance, Sirius, we are Harry Potter nerds in this house, y'all. This is the <laughs> Severus Lupin Black, okay? Um, because, But, like, we're not a monolith, and we are breaking barriers just by having that space. Please reach out to us, Mexico at gmail.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And, Dev, uh, we will put... Um, Devin will put, I'm like, we, <laughs> Devin, <laughs> will link all this information mm-hmm. on the site. You want to give the OAAA uh, website before we go out? Yeah, so um, you can reach and have all this information on oaa.state.nm.us. And we'll make sure to get all the links just so you can know how to get involved. Uh, how to get more informed and all the other things that come with it. Yes. Well, I guess that wraps us. Thank you to all of the beautiful souls on this call today. Thank y'all for sharing space and getting a little, you know, vulnerable with us. And, and thank you for all of the work that you're doing. Uh, Once again, support us. Uh, like, follow, share, re-educated the podcast. And um, congratulations, Devin. This is this wraps our season. I don't know if y'all know, but this is our season finale. So um, y'all are a part of that, which is very special. <laughs> so thank you to everybody for listening, supporting, re-educated. We could not do this without all of you. So thank you so much. And I hope we can share space again very, very soon. We love you. Thank you, guys. Yes. All the Thank love. You. We'll be in love. touch. And I'm serious. I do want to I do wanna get involved. <laughs> For sure. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see y'all later, okay? Yeah, y'all have a good one. Thank you again. Oh, much love and wholeness. Re-educated, brought to you by the New Mexico State Office of African American Affairs, aimed to study, identify, and provide change by means of support, advocacy, and resources relevant to the African American community. As a reminder, every voice matters. Make sure you are counted in the 2020 census. The Office of Equity and Inclusion was established by Mayor Tim Keller in 2018. The vision of the office is to inspire and equip city governments to make Albuquerque a national role model of racial equity and social justice. The office is responsible for dismantling systemic barriers to achieve racial, gender, health, and socioeconomic equality. Michelle Melendez is the inaugural director of the Office of Equity and Inclusion. In September, Melendez was instrumental in passing R-2075, legislation that strengthens and reaffirms the city's commitment to addressing racial equity and social justice. The resolution calls on the city to support the startup and growth of businesses owned by people of color, women, racial equity assessments for the city department, and requires equity training for the city council, leadership, and administration. Our very last segment is The Glow. 
where we'll be highlighting individuals and organizations doing great work in our community. For this edition of The Glow, we'd like to highlight the COC for the phenomenal work that they've been doing, providing insight on the Crown Act in New Mexico. To support the Crown Act, you can email them at crownactnewmexico at gmail.com. For additional information, you can go to oaaa.state.mm.us. We'd also like to give a special thank you to our post-production partner, Better Sense. Powered by nearly a decade of audio and production experience, Better Sense exists to help you create your life-changing projects. Go to bttrsnc.com in order to explore how you can awaken the potential of your musical ideas. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Reeducated. We hope you were able to rethink, relearn, and get re-educated on some really important topics. Make sure to visit us at our website, oaaa.state.nm.us. See you next time.